Hi guys, this is the Jade Marissa podcast talking to you about the good, bad and ugly in Thailand, Muay Thai and pop culture. This is episode two and on this episode I'm talking to you about the business of Muay Thai. What to expect and what side of business are we talking about? First of all, I want to tell you, I have pretty much played almost every role in the business of Muay Thai. You know, I have, well, first of all, I grew up around it. You know, my dad has promoted Muay Thai around the world all my life, almost all his life. So I've grew up around it. I've seen people come in and out of my life, you know, who have been involved in the fighting aspect, the promotional aspect, organizational in terms of the amateur federations, things like that. So I've seen everything. And I've been involved myself, you know. I, I've helped my dad when he first started doing MBK Fight Night. I was a ring girl. So I helped him with that. I helped him with some of the setup and also some of the marketing for that. Second of all, I have been a Muay Thai fighter, professional and pro-am. You know, I did my first fight in Thailand after helping him out at, as a ring girl. You know, I decided to change roles and start to fight. So I can talk about that, you know, I've, I've experienced that in all different ways. I've, I've fought in Thailand, England, Hong Kong, and Malaysia. I've been around the world and I've seen Muay Thai around the world. I've seen how business, done, business is done around the world in Muay Thai, you know, in the places I've been to. You know, we've, we've, we have promoted our own fights in Timor-Leste, which is a small island just uh, off of uh, Indonesia. And my dad's promoted... Muay Thai in England, you know, we've, we've done it in all sorts of places, so I've seen it in different places. So I want to talk to you, like, in the more promotional aspect of it, even though, yeah, right now I am manager of Look to Fire Muay Thai Gym, so as a manager of the gym and manager of fighters, as an agent as well, I do help to get fights from my fighters. I help to promote the gym in terms of marketing. I do the website, I do social media. I do the web. Uh, I answer emails, answer messages. I, he- I help with customer relations, I, and now, like, and now I'm trying to broaden what I do in this in this uh, realm. So yeah, the promotional side, WMO, and then I have Female Fight League, right? So Female Fight League is something that I started. It's an all-female Muay Thai promotion. You know, we're not just doing female fights, we're doing all different types of uh, promotional activities involving Muay Thai and targeting towards women. So, different sides of business I've been around. I've been inside the Thai Thai area, you know, I used to train at Pichindi Muay Thai and go to Lumpini Stadium all the time and I've been Kunsawai Muay Sayam, which is Sayam, Muay Sayam is Muay Thai newspaper of you know in Thailand and I was chosen as one of the eight female fighters to do a somewhat beauty contest for their show the the first season and I've been around so many different promotions you know and one-off promotions as a fighter or and also taking my fighters to go there you know, my dad's helped some of the people in the industry. He helped uh, 
Takun, Sassy Papa with their gym. So there's a mutual respect around the community, the old school, the, a lot of the people who know each other, you know, and, and he also has a son around my age and now there's a new generation of Muay Thai kids who have grown up now and we're getting involved in the business side. Like I said in the last series, there's an, a hierarchy with, within Thai people and it's, it's just something that's there in, in, in Thai culture you know, there is a hierarchy and that is due, that is in terms of income status, educational status, and also age. You know, you have to view your elders as someone respected. And it's, it's difficult sometimes because sometimes it's, even if you feel like maybe you're more educated than them or you're at a higher position just because they're older than you, then you have to give them respect more respect in a way and sometimes that's not it shouldn't be the case you know it should be mutual it should be fair so I think like okay for me being half foreigner being half English so I'm not full Thai my Thai is not that clear in terms of the tones and things like that and also being younger in the industry is it was hard to do business you know I didn't get viewed as I didn't get respected I had to really work for it I really had to work to get respect for it I think um along also with the politics involved as well you know and, and as I mentioned in the previous ep- episode the word gleng die when people they'll say something to your to your face like it's fine and then and then you don't hear from them so one situation with with a with a, a very famous Muay Thai equipment uh, company, brand. They were supposed to sponsor my gym. And the guy was talking to me and I gave him my list of things and he was talking to me as if everything was fine. And I even bumped into him maybe a couple of times after that. He said, oh yes, like two weeks from now or whatever, you know, when I'm, I'll get my things. And then again, I bumped into him after a while, more than two weeks. He's like, oh yeah, just wait. And then after that, I email him and absolutely nothing. So doing business in Thailand, you're going to have to realize that people are afraid to tell you the truth and they will avoid telling you the truth. They will just either lie to your face or just completely avoid you, you know. So eventually I realized that I wasn't going to get the equipment and that was that. Absolutely. Like, I can accept that, you know, but better not to waste my time and just tell me, sorry, you, you know, you, you asked for too many things or uh, I don't think we can sponsor you at this time. Just tell me the truth. But Thai people, they, they, they like to avoid telling you straight about things and it can waste a lot of time. And I feel like that's happened to me on multiple occasions. Not just in Muay Thai, but everything. You know, this is business in Muay Thai, in in Thailand in general. You know, you ask someone to do some work for you, someone that you might be paying or hiring, and they'll tell you they're going to do it, and then it comes to the date when they're supposed to say it to you, and nothing. So this is something you have to kind of expect in Thailand. Okay, so I'm going to talk about when. Being a promoter in Thailand and other things that you have to face being a promoter in Thailand. Well, first of all, yes, get a venue. 
Find out the concepts and who the fighters are for your event. Then you need to find sponsors. Then you have to handle how you're going to get an audience. Or, you know, this is another thing I didn't mention in my last episode about why I think that Muay Thai is going down in Thailand is because a lot of the Muay Thai shows and Muay Thai promotions in Thailand, they're actually free. You know, if if all these events are free, you're not, not mentioning Lumpini Stadium, Rajamnon Stadium, these big stadiums, I'm not mentioning them because, okay, we know that you have to pay for them, okay? So th- thank you if anyone wants to write that. But these other shows, like, yes, Top King, um, MX Extreme, um, Super Champ, you just go in there and you watch it for free. If you watch it for free, how can these promotions make money back? There's no return of investment there. And that's why a lot of Muay Thai shows fail, because there's no return of investment. And they're free because they want to bring people in. Because Thai people, the general Thai public, unless they're gamblers, they won't pay. They don't want to pay to watch fights. So there's no money coming back into the show. So they have to rely on sponsors, which is a terrible business plan, really, if you think about it long term. That's why a lot of them don't work long term, no matter how good they are. And yes, I mentioned Thai Fight last time, because Thai Fight, they have a different sort of negotiation with the governments of each district in Thailand. So they have their own thing going on, and they're very smart. Same with Max Muay Thai. Max Muay Thai, they are very controlled because they have the same owner of the stadium, the same owner of, he bought the trucks that do the satellite signals outside, and they also have a negotiation with tour groups. So that's why these shows work out, but other ones who just rely on sponsors and don't have a show venue, they suffer long-term. Now, being a promoter in Thailand, how difficult is it? And, and I tell you, it's very difficult. You have, it's so hard to get people to come to your fight unless you're very, you're, your marketing is great, you're on top. It, it depends on the venue, your location, definitely. Um, depends on who is your target market and you need a lot of time to promote it you know so yes I did female fight league and we had one month less than one month I mean during that one month we actually ran into Christmas and New Year which delayed us a lot you know (laughs) we couldn't really do much work during that time because all the businesses everyone was closed everyone was busy it was hard to do things but uh, our main sponsor, he, they gave us a deadline, and it was a month or less than a month. So the place wasn't full when we did it, but it was great. Like we did, we still did get people, and we hustled. You know, like me and my friend Maya, who were who were she was helping me do it, helping me to organize it. So we we did the show in Pattaya. We held it in Pattaya, and we went around Pattaya almost every night, giving out flyers, spreading word of mouth. You know, telling people about it, boosting posts on Facebook. We hustled hard to get people to come to the event. It is a difficult graft in Thailand. I and mean, that was mostly foreigners. Thai people just are not interested. Okay, uh, on top of that, we have things like um, fighters cancelling. You know, this happens so much. Fighters do cancel their fights sometimes, you know, due to being sick, um, having an injury, whatever. This happens, and as the promoter, you need to be prepared. You need to have contacts. 
contacts around different gyms, just fighters in general. But I would say around different gyms in the place that you're at. So in Thailand, you need to know these people because fighters cancelling is going to happen if you're going to be a promoter and you need to be prepared for that. So this happened to me as well. You know, like I had one girl, she was sick, she had a fever and we had to cancel her. Well, her manager cancelled her maybe three days before the fight and I had to find a last minute replacement just the day before the weigh-in. That was not easy, but it's things that you have to do as a promoter and things that you have to deal with as a promoter. Then sometimes you get difficulty with fighters, you know, like they... (laughs) They're, they can be needy. I'm, not, I'm telling you, they can be needy. And maybe I was when I was a fighter too. Sometimes they want special treatment. They're impatient. They complain. They have different expectations. You know, special treatment in terms of like, maybe they want to check into the hotel earlier than everyone else. Or um, maybe at the weigh-in, somebody comes late and they're complaining at you, you know, because they're hungry. This I understand, but... I, as a promoter, cannot make the person come faster if they're late. You know, and sometimes people are not late. They're just, if you're super early, same thing. You still got to wait. So things like that you have to deal with. You know, also promoting, you have to do like rehearsals before the fight with the fighters, you know, walking out and different cues for timing. Okay, yes, it can be tiring for the fighters. But at the end of the day, you want a great show because you have a great show and the fighters as well. The fighter does an entertaining show, doesn't have a show off fight, you know, no matter what the outcome is, they can be called back and then it's good for their record, it's good for their career. To work with promoters well is ideal for a fighter. I do recommend if anyone is a fighter, you have to work with a promoter because that promoter is your way to the top. Okay, if you piss off any promoter, that's not going to be any benefit to that. So as a fighter myself, I think I was respectful to, to promoters. You know, the only thing I asked for when I was going to fight in places is possibly if I had a male trainer coming with me, of course, I wanted separate room to my male trainer. And that was usually absolutely fine. Other than that, I was respectful and I followed any program or anything that I had to do. You know, of course, you're going to complain, but you can complain to, complain to your uh, trainer who you're with. You know, just talk about it with them. Don't, do not complain to the promoter. So yeah, business side of Muay Thai. So of course you need to hire people to work for you. And like I said in the previous episode, your people do sort of, they like to steal and be childish and nag and cheat. So this is another thing you have to expect. And, you know, the the lack of work ethic as well as complaining, it's, it makes things difficult. If you want to do things a foreign way, it is difficult to work with these type of people. It's not, obviously, not all Thai people. I'm talking about people who are involved in Muay Thai mostly. And I, I don't want to badmouth people, but, you know, I've experienced it a lot. You know, I've seen people cheat my father over and over and over again. And it is shit to see and shit to experience, obviously. You know, my dad's a good person. And he's been hurt a lot of times by people he thought he could trust. Yeah, so you have to really find the key people who can help your business grow. And it's definitely nice. But I mean, that can happen in all types of business, you know, like there's always some type of political situations in all different businesses. It's all bitching. 
and backstabbing, but just be prepared because maybe it's a little bit more dirty in this industry. You know, because I have spoke to people, friends who are not in the Muay Thai industry and, and they get shocked at the things that I've told them, you know. Even when you're on a Muay Thai gym, you, you'd be surprised at all the drama that goes on inside there. It's not like, and I know this happens everywhere because I've been in gyms around everywhere and then I have friends who own gyms everywhere and there's so much inside drama for no reason. These people just make their own drama with each other. Because let me tell you the life of a Muay Thai trainer, you know, they, since very young, younger than 10 years old, they are pretty much adopted by a Muay Thai camp and they live in a Muay Thai camp and train Muay Thai, eat Muay Thai, live Muay Thai, everything Muay Thai, you know, that is their life from a very young age and they don't have anyone taking care of them properly. They have no guidance, no one telling them what's right and what's wrong. Only people kind of raising them as a fighter to fight for them, to make money for that person, their owner, their manager, whoever. So when these people grow up, they're not like, you know, I don't want to be mean, but <laughs> they don't know how exactly to work together so nicely and so fairly, you know, because they've just, they've been raised as a fighter, you know, people raised chickens to fight. I can kind of compare it to that and it is a bit similar to that I don't want to knock Muay Thai because it is our culture but if we put if we kind of value the sport more and then bring more bring more money into the sport then we could also take care of these fighters and these people better and raise them to be more dignified people in our society in our country you know it's a it's a very important point really because we are raising the future of the country, you know, and there's so many fighters. A lot of them are really good people. It's just like they 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 bicker over the smallest things, and it can cause a huge war in their little gangs in the gym, you know. <laughs> and it definitely does happen in every gym because, like I said, I have owners of many gyms around Thailand, and I've been to those gyms myself. You know, I used to train a few different gyms before my father owned his own. So. Yeah, that's another thing you need to you need to be aware of. You need to be very strong-minded. You need to have a lot of grit and a lot of emotional intelligence. You need to be able to kind of grasp these trainers, these people, the fighters, whoever, you know, be the referee in the middle of them. And sometimes I actually, what I have done in the past, I've put all my trainers who were fighting with each other, I put them in the ring I sat them in a circle in the ring. I sat there and I just said, okay, tell me what's going on. Why are you mad at this person? Why do you have a problem with this person? What happened? What, what made this reaction? You know, you have to somewhat be a counselor to these people. Or, like, or I like to joke around and say, I'm a mother to them. You know, I, I treat them as my children, even though the, most of them are older than me. But, you know, I, I ask them like, you know, tell me what's going on. And, let out your emotions and then let's make it better. How, how, can we, how can we move past this and you can restore, restore your friendship and maybe one can return back to work normally and how you should do. So, yeah, another thing with Muay Thai, you, you, uh, <laughs> as well as being the manager, the marketing, the customer relations, the, the fighter agent, 
and so on and so on. So on. You also have to be a somewhat counselor towards your staff. And yes, these people can be very friendly and this and that, and you you do grow a relationship with them, but you also have to show them that you are their boss as well because they can take advantage of that as well. You know, the amount of times you want to borrow money or get an advance or make a party in the gym or drink in the gym or this, and, you know, you, you need to put your foot down on these types of situations and show them that you are, at the end of the day, their boss. The business of Muay Thai, what to expect. Different sides of businesses in, in this different side of this business, you know, there's so many different sides. Then I would say if you're going to do matchmaking for the fights or be an agent for your fighters, then you need to have connections. This is all about connections. If you want to get fights for your fighters, you need to know people in the industry. You need to know promoters and you need to know matchmakers. Not only do you need to know them, but you need, you need to create a bond with them. You know, you need to make them your friend and you need to keep on following up because imagine how many gyms in Thailand are contacting these people over and over again, send, sending them their fighters. There is a lot more fighters than there are promotions. So you need to be on their ass. You know, you need to keep on telling them, reminding them because these people also forget, you know. So create a bond. Ask kiss, if you will, you know. Some people need to ask kiss. And it's bad to say that. And I never did that. But people knew me from a long time. You know, they've respected me because they've seen me grow up in the industry, you know, helping my dad as a fighter, as a gym manager, as a, fi as a fighter agent, as a promoter. People have seen me through it. And then now, what? now I'm like friends with their children who are now my age. So there's so many things in the Muay Thai. Then how to grow your Muay Thai gym in Thailand? Well, then we have, you can definitely see the difference between a gym that's owned by foreigners or a gym that's owned by Thais, you know, in terms of marketing. A foreign gym has a different type of feeling. It has a different type of energy, you know, it's more communal. Whereas a Thai Taiwan is very fighter driven. And just completely tie. And yes, foreigners train there sometimes. But I don't think it's as welcoming as maybe a foreigner gym would be. So if I was to recommend gyms in Thailand, I do actually recommend the foreign-owned ones. You know, you still got Thai people there. Trainers, fighters, whatever. And you can train with them. But in terms of like, you want to go somewhere and kind of feel a little bit welcome, then I definitely re recommend the, the foreigner-owned one. And then with marketing, you know, like the foreigner-owned one, of course, they speak English. So they're a little more educated about social media, websites, whatever. And they're able to promote their gyms much better. Whereas the Thai ones, they just have to rely on word of mouth and uh, their establishment, how long they have been established. And also their fighters fighting at Lumpini or other channel stadiums. So, yeah, that's kind of touching base in the, in the business of Muay Thai, you know, just different types of sides of it, my experiences and some, some, some things I'm talking about with my friends and owners of gyms and fighters and whatever. So that was episode two, and I would like to thank you all for listening, talking about the business of Muay Thai, what to expect, and I'm happy to read your comments, and maybe on the next video you'll hear a lot more, so stay tuned. Peace.